Hey, it's weird not singing to a mic. <laughs> uh, we are going to be reading from Psalm 107, verses 1 through 3, and then verse 43. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell the others he has redeemed you from your enemies. For he has gathered the exiles from many lands from east and west from north and south. And then verse 43. Those who are wise will take all this to heart. They will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord. You may be seated. Caleb, how are we doing, everybody? Good? It's good to see you today in church. It's Derby Week, you know, so that's something. You know, it's here. And uh, we're excited about that. Living in Louisville, this is, you know, like, it, we didn't know anything about, uh, is it Derby Week? I said it's Derby Week. I think it's Derby Week. Yeah, okay. And it felt, uh, nobody said anything. I was like, maybe it's not Derby Week. I don't know. But, uh, you know, it's always exciting. So um, hopefully you have some fun plans uh, scheduled this week. My name's Jason. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'm the pastor here at the church. And um, today I want to talk about looking back. I want to spend a few minutes talking about looking back, specifically about how we think uh, about our past, about how we think about our past. This has been on my mind recently because of um, uh, Andrea and I, as we have been trying to sell a house and buy a house, uh, I have been thinking about my previous house buying and house selling experiences, which were not great. And uh, Andrea has been reminding me over and over again, it's been like, 12 years, let it go, you know, but I've just got this scar tissue, you know, the older you get, the more scar tissue you have, if you know what I mean, and not really about selling or buying houses, but really just about life in general. I've just been thinking a lot about how much our past affects our present. You know what I mean? I think everybody knows what I mean, uh, unless you are very, very young in the room today. Uh, You've had experiences and no matter how much we try to talk or think that like the past is behind us, it just keeps popping up, right? The past just keeps showing up. And when it comes to the Christian life, I think, I think we err in two ways really about our past. Sometimes uh, our error is that we forget how bad it was. That's sometimes the mistake that we make. After a certain amount of time, we forget how awful we felt. You know what I mean? or how miserable our consequences were, or how anxious and afraid and depressed we felt. Uh, This happened to God's people in Exodus. If you've read the story, you know, they were slaves in Egypt. Uh, The the Hebrew, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. They get out in the desert with Moses. They don't like what's going on. And they say to Moses, let us just go back to Egypt. You know, we got free dinner. We got free food there. Forgetting the fact that the reason that they got the food for free was because they worked all day long slaving in the hot sun, but they had forgotten. They had forgotten. And so that happens to us sometimes. We forget how bad it is. And the danger with forgetting how bad your life was before Jesus is it can kind of pull you back in. You think, well, it wasn't that bad. Uh, I, you know, I, I talked to, to Jesse, who leads our Celebrate Recovery, and, and some of the people who go through Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery is about more than addiction, but when you talk to people who are uh, finding freedom from addiction, they will tell you one of the reasons they embrace the idea that they're always an addict, no matter how long it's been since they have, uh, you know, used whatever it is that they were addicted to, is because they don't ever want to start believing that it's not a big deal. 
And so that's why they kind of embrace that idea. And the danger of forgetting how bad your life was before Jesus is you can start to rationalize and think, well, it wasn't that bad. And it was terrible. The people who love you would love to remind you about how awful it was. And we forget sometimes. Maybe we begin to cheapen God's grace. We kind of view ourselves as not so much in need of forgiveness or grace. Or, I mean, you know, yeah, we made some mistakes. It wasn't that bad. We've kind of rewritten the narrative. That's one mistake that we make because we forget how bad it is. But then another error that we make the opposite way is we don't forget how bad it is. Instead, we live with so much guilt and shame and regret, we can never move past it. And it's not that you're either one or the other. We're really both, honestly, uh, all all the time, but we can never move past it. We can't not think about the people we hurt, uh, our children that we hurt, or the embarrassment that we felt. We constantly live mad at ourselves, or at least throwing a pity party. Uh, I mean, I am, I am awesome at throwing a pity party. I mean, I'm so good at pity parties. It's the only parties I like hosting, really, are pity parties uh, for myself. And we do this. We just kind of, we kind of keep rehearsing what happened and beating ourselves up. And how could we? And what were we thinking? And I can't believe. And we just, we keep beating ourselves down. I read something interesting from authors Dan and Chip Heath the other day about uh, a term that psychologists call dur- duration neglect. Duration neglect. And to understand duration neglect, just think about your honeymoon or the day your child was born or the sports you played in high school. Uh, that's a good one. And as you think about those, I want you to think about what you remember. Let's do this for a second right now. Think about, you know, honeymoon, child being born, high school sports, or just something from your past that you uh, remember pretty easily. And, and as you think about those, I want you to kind of notice what it is that you remember. And as you think about it, you would, might be surprised to discover that your memory is a little bit misleading. Duration neglect is, is, is when we are remembering things, we tend to focus only on the highest and the lowest moments, is what psychologists would say. We think about things, we focus on only the highs or the lows, the best or the worst. And so Chip and Dan Heath gave this example in their book. They said, let's use a hypothetical family vacation to Disney World. Okay, so everybody just kind of imagine. I know we got some big Disney people in here. Uh, It's great. You'll have some fun with this. Let's imagine a hypothetical family vacation to Disney World. Okay, and let's imagine that as you were at Disney World, I texted you every hour during your trip asking you to rate your experience at that exact moment from a scale of one to ten. Okay, one being lousy, 10 being terrific. So every hour I'm texting you on your Disney trip. How's it going? And one would be like, oh my gosh, this is the worst trip ever. 10 would be, we want to move here and live here. Okay. And so let's just imagine I'm texting you every hour. Here's maybe what you would say. I text you at 9 a.m. How's it going? And you would text back, trying to dress your kids, feed them breakfast, get everyone out of the hotel room. There's excitement in the air. You'd say uh, six. I'll give it a six. Okay. Then 10 a.m., I text, I say, how are you doing? You say, standing in a long line, line to ride It's a Small World, five, you know, right? Then I text you at 11 a.m. and I say, how's it going? And you say, just finished riding Space Mountain. Kids are begging to ride it again, 10, 10, right? I text you back at lunch at noon and you say, spending way too much money on park food, <laughs> but the kids were hungry, seven, Right? I text you at one, you say, waiting in more lines in the Florida heat, kids are whining. Three. It's getting later in the day, right? 
I text you one more time at 2 p.m. I say, how's it going? You say, buying mouse ears as we leave the park. Kids are adorable. Eight. Okay? Now, if we wanted to estimate how enjoyable your day was at Disney, we could simply average the ratings together and arrive at the conclusion that it was a pretty good day. Six and a half. If you take all your numbers, put them together, average them out, you had a day that was about a six and a half. That's not bad, okay? But if I texted you again in a few weeks and asked you to rate your overall experience, you would assume maybe you would say six and a half, but psychologists would say that's wrong. You would guess that that's way off. They predict that looking back at Disney, your overall rating would be a nine, be a nine. Because research has found that in recalling an experience, we ignore most of what happened and focus instead on the very best or the very worst moments. So in your case, a few weeks after your trip, you're going to predominantly re- remember riding Space Mountain buying and buying mouse ears. Okay? And then in a few years, you'll tell everyone we had the best time. Nine. Had the best time. You really need to do it. You'll forget about all of the fives and the threes. You'll forget that's what happens. But it's not only true for vacations. Duration neglect shows up in many life experiences. When college alumni were asked about their memories from college, maybe this is true for you, 40% of their memories were for the month of September, just when they had arrived, right? The first six weeks of their freshman year generate more long-term memories than their entire junior year, right? It's true for low moments too. When colonoscopy patients were asked to recall the procedure, they have nothing good to say about it. Just all low. It's all low. When people talk about the dentist, all low, all low. When we recall memories, we don't remember the average of our minute by minute or week by week experiences. We remember the best of times and we remember the worst of times, right? And so when it comes to the Christian life, this means that we either tend to only think about how awful the past was or we tend to forget how awful the past was that we very rarely have a kind of rational perspective about our life before Jesus. And that's what I want to talk about for our time together this morning, is how we view the past. Because as Christians, how we view the past should be different than people who do not have a faith in Jesus. That the way that we view the past is not the same as everyone else in the world. That if you are a Christian, if if your faith is in Jesus, the way that you look back is different than everyone else who does not have faith a faith in Jesus. And all of us look back, and when we look back, we can find some things that we would want to change. Everybody, even people who say, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing. And I don't believe them. I don't ever believe them. Uh, because we all can think of, of something, and most of us can think of a lot of things. We would want to change choices that we made or people we hurt. Like somebody who says, I wouldn't change a thing. It's like, well, you know, you hurt some people. You know, would you want to change that maybe? Or opportunities that were lost potentially. Right now, if I gave you five minutes and I said, let's make a list of things you maybe would want to go back and change, we could come up with some things. And here's what happens is the devil shows up in our lives and tries to convince you or us that we are the only one with a past. Or, or maybe at least the, the, the ours was worse. That yeah, other people have been divorced too, but you were like the worst ex-spouse. Or other people's kids have a tough relationship with their parents too, but your kids hate you more than any other kids hate their parents. Or yeah, other people have filed bankruptcy too, but nobody managed their money as bad as you did. There's a lot of people who struggled with addiction, but nobody went as far to rock bottom as you did. These are the kind of lies 
that the enemy shows up and, and tells in our lives. But it's not true. It's not true. And part of being a Christian is understanding the fact that there is no scale to how much grace we need from God. There's no scale. There's not people who need a little bit of grace and people who need a lot of grace. There's not people who need a little bit of forgiveness and people who need a lot of forgiveness. We are sinners. Isaiah 53, 6 tells us that all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Everybody say all. All of us. All of us have strayed away. I don't want to rush past this moment. I want you to really take this in. It'll get positive in a second, but I want you to just take this in for a second. The only people who really worry me are the people who don't think they belong in this category. No matter what you could tell me about your past or what you've done, it would not worry me near as much as if you said, yeah, I didn't really ever do anything that really was that bad. I've never really strayed away from God. Isaiah tells us that we have all, like sheep, strayed away. We've all left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him, talking about Jesus, the Lord laid on Jesus the sins of us all. This is the gospel message for everyone this morning is that we are born sinners. All of us, our natural disposition is to stray, to sin. We say all the time around here, you're not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you're a sinner. And there's a difference. And so Jesus Christ came, God sent Jesus and laid on Jesus the sins of every one. That Jesus paid the penalty for all of your sins and everyone else's sins. Jesus paid that price. And so now if your faith is in Jesus for paying that price, you get credit for Jesus's life because he took credit for yours. He lived a perfect life. You do not. We all stray. He pays that. So God looks at you because of Jesus and sees a perfect person, a sinless person. We just don't feel it. And for those of us who are Christians this morning, We think about our past and we believe that it defines us. But I want you to hear what I'm telling you, that when God looks at you, he sees a perfect record, a sinless record, that God in no way sees you and grades you or judges you or holds you up, comparing you to everything that you've ever done in your past. Because of Jesus, if your faith is in Jesus, because of Jesus, when God looks at you, he sees no error ever. If your faith is in Jesus, somehow we need God to help us believe that. Everyone can't say that, but we can, we can. And so we all go astray. Jesus took on those sins for us. And so we live with this constant tension of knowing that we are forgiven, but maybe not believing we're forgiven. Or maybe we live with this constant tension of knowing that our past doesn't, isn't held against us anymore, but we hold it against ourselves potentially. So the thought that I've been having lately for myself is just this idea that you can't change your past, but you can change how you view your past. 
You can't change your past. You can't go back and change it, but you can change how you view it, especially for those of us who are Christians who have a faith in Jesus. And so Caleb read for us just a few verses uh, from Psalm 107. We, we can't read all of Psalms 107 because it's really long. We're going to read a lot of it here in just a second. But today we're going to read Psalm 107, and by the time we're done, I hope what we, what we learn is that we should not feel guilty. If you are a Christian today, if your faith is in Jesus, you should not feel guilty for your past. You should feel grateful. You shouldn't feel guilty for your past. You should feel grateful that our past, if we have found Jesus, our past is something to be grateful for. And as I say that, some of you are like, that's cute, but you don't know my past. That's fine for you, Jason, preacher's kid. I mean, you did a couple things, but you don't know my past. I've got tattoos I haven't shown you. You know, you don't, you've never seen those. That There's a story attached to those, and you don't know. There's nothing to be grateful for about my past. No, 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 you don't get it yet, but you're going to see it in Psalm 107. Psalm 107 is a beautiful psalm about the grace of God and about four different kinds of people who have a past. And even though our stories are very different, everyone in this room, they're really not that different at all. The details may be a little bit different, but the theme is the same. And so if you have a Bible, I would love for you to get it out or a phone if you have that, or maybe there's a Bible around you somewhere. Caleb read the beginning and the end, but I just want to show you the power of viewing your past differently. Psalm 107, verse 1, Caleb read it to us, says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Now, normally when we say God is good, we're saying God is good because something good has happened. We got a promotion at our job, or we found out we're having a baby, or we got a raise, or there's something positive that's happening, and we say God is good. But what we mean is God is good because life is good. But that's not at all what David is saying in Psalm 107. He's about to lay out some really, really, really bad, bad stuff. But he still starts with the idea that God is good and that his faithful love endures forever. And then in verse 2, which we read, he said, Has the Lord redeemed you? To which if you are a Christian, the answer would be yes. And he says, Then speak out. In other words, David says, Talk about your past. Tell others about your past, not because of regret, but because you've been redeemed. He's gathered all the exiles from any lands. That's you and me, by the way. That's the church. He's gathered us together from east and west and north and south. And so then he moves from verse 4 all the way to verse 42. And David lays out for us four different kinds of people who have a past. And I want to try as best as I can, even though it's a lot of verses, to show this to you. The first person that we meet in Psalm 107 is in verse 4. And this is what David says. David says, Some wandered in the wilderness, lost and homeless, hungry and thirsty. They nearly died. Some wandered in the wilderness, lost and homeless, hungry and thirsty. They nearly died. The first person that David introduces us to in this psalm is someone who was lost, homeless, wandering in the wilderness. This is a person who got lost. I would describe this as the kind of person who maybe, uh, you know, didn't grow up in a Christian environment, Christian home, didn't grow up in church. It's not that they ever rebelled against God. It's not that they ever uh, decided they didn't believe in God. It's just that there was never really the idea of God in their life or religion in their life. And, and so they just kind of, they, they just kind of were walking where they've always walked and they just 
they were just, they were kind of, they were lost, lost people. Maybe not really of a choice of their own, even though we do ultimately have responsibility for our, our salvation. Not really through a choice of their own. They're just kind of wandering through life without really a recognition of God or a recognition of, of, of any type of religion or connection to God. And look at what it says in verse 6. They're hungry and thirsty. They're lost and homeless. In verse 6, it says, Lord, help. They cried in their trouble, and he rescued them from their distress. This is the first person that we see in Psalm 107 as a person who wanders off, lost person who is, who is wandering. But let's look at the next one. The next one's in verse 10. If you have a Bible, go find verse 10. David says that some, some were wandering, we read that, but then verse 10, some sat in darkness in deepest gloom, imprisoned in iron chains of misery. They rebelled against the words of God, scorning the counsel of the Most High, and that is why he broke them with hard labor. They fell, and no one was there to help them. This is the second person that we meet in Psalm 107 who has a past, and this is someone who is chained to misery, someone who sits in the dark. This is someone that in their life, maybe you relate to this, this is someone who chose misery. People warned them, don't do it. This isn't a good choice. I don't think this is a good idea. The Holy Spirit inside of them convicting them, saying, don't do it. This is a bad idea. But they said, you know what? I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And they rebelled against God or the people who were speaking on behalf of God. They scorned the counsel of God and it broke them. It broke them. And the Bible uses this imagery that says they were imprisoned and chained to misery. Maybe you would say, that's my testimony. Holy smokes, that's my testimony. Let me tell you about the decade or the years or the months when because of my choices and, and, and scorning the counsel of God and the wisdom of people, I chained myself to misery. Look at what it says in verse 13. Those people that were broke by that. Lord help, they cried in their trouble. And he saved them from their distress. And he led them from darkness to deepest gloom. He snapped their chains. That's the second person that we meet. Let me show you the third one. The third one goes to verse 17. Some were wandering away. Some chose to chain themselves to misery. But there's another person who has a past in Psalm 107. Verse 17, it says, Some were fools. They rebelled and suffered for their sins. They couldn't stand the thought of food. And they were knocking on death's door. So these are people who said, I know better. They're foolish people who rebel. And they say, I know better. They, they're stubborn people. These are, these are people who, who um, they, they, they acted like a fool, like foolishness in their life, maybe in the way that they manage their money or maybe in the way that they manage their relationships, their dating, their marriage, or maybe in the way that they manage their, their career. They, they, they're, they're just foolish people. And so these are people who, like the second group, are suffering consequences based on choices that they made in their life. Maybe you would say, man, this is my testimony. This is my past. Just foolish decision after foolish decision after foolish decision after foolish decision. And look at, look at what it says in verse 19. Lord, help. They cried in their trouble. And he saved them from their distress. Let me show you one more. 
There's one more group, one more person who has a past in Psalm 107, and it's in verse 23. It says, some went off to sea in ships. So some wandered, some sat in darkness, some were fools, and some, verse 23, went off to sea in ships, plying the trade routes of the world. They too observed the Lord's power and action, his impressive works on the deepest seas. He spoke and the winds rose, stirring up the waves. Their ships were tossed to the heavens and plunged again to the depths. The sailors cringed in terror. They reeled and staggered like drunkards and were at their wits end. I love that David includes this fourth person in the Psalm 107 because the first three, maybe you would go, no, that's not really me. I mean, I, you know, for the most part, I had good parents who taught me things and I kind of followed the rules and I haven't necessarily done all that. Well, the, fir- the fourth person that David describes with a past is someone who is a control freak, someone who is determined to conquer the world, someone who's determined to build a business, someone who's determined to, to have the greatest and the best. This is someone who, who wants success more than anything else in the world. They are going out, plying the trade routes of the world. And so maybe your testimony is not that you were hooked on heroin. Maybe your, maybe your testimony is not a divorce or a bankruptcy. Maybe your testimony is, I didn't think I needed God because I was competent and organized and efficient and disciplined. I had it all under control. I had it all under control. That type of person still considered what we read in Isaiah, that all have strayed away. You can stray away with perfect credit or addiction. We say all the time around here, you can be lost in a Bible study or a bar. we, We think of it in one certain way, but you could be making lots of money and you could be building things, and your, parent, your kids could be super disciplined and, and perform and respectful, and you still not know Jesus. You could. And look at what it says, what it says in verse 28. When they were at their wits' end, because that's always what happens when you're a control freak and want to control everything. It comes to their wits' end. In verse 28, it says, Lord, help. They cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. Now, I took the time to read you all of that so that you could understand what David means and what Caleb read to us in verse 43 when he says, those who are wise will take all this to heart. Take what to heart? Take all of your experiences and the ideas that we just talked about, and they will see in our history, in your history, the faithful love of the Lord. Here's what he's saying. Everybody can't do this. Only Christians can do this. Only Christians can do this. What David is saying is that when we look back on our past, no matter how pathetic it is, no matter how miserable it is, no matter how painful it was, no matter how many people we hurt, any of those things, we, if we have now found Jesus and put our faith in Jesus, we can go back and connect the dots in that past that we think is the worst thing about us. We can connect the dots and we can see the faithful love of the Lord. I want you to think about it. Don't just rush past it. I want you to think about all those things that you're embarrassed about and all those things that you wish you could change. And if you have found Jesus, you can retrace your steps and see the hand of God working in your life. Doesn't mean your life has to get absolutely awful in order for you to find Jesus. But as human beings, that's usually how we find him. We usually find him at the bottom. 
We usually find them on the backside of pain and hurt and regret. And David said, those people who didn't really know, but life took a turn for the worse. Those people who made the choice to chain themselves to misery and life got bad. Those people who were just foolish and disregarded, you know, the things they should do. Those people who were in control and had it together and lived at a certain place and had a certain amount of money, what happens to every single human being is at some point you cry out, Lord, help me. And he steps in and he saves us from our distress. Here's the way I wrote it for me. Failure isn't failure if it helped me find Jesus. Failure isn't failure if it helps me find Jesus. I didn't fail. I found Jesus. I want you to get that. Yeah, I know that technically speaking, I hurt some people. And man, I hope that God can salvage that somehow. And yeah, financially, we caused some problems. And yeah, we could describe all these scenarios. But I didn't fail because I found Jesus. And Psalm 107 is a reminder to you and me That God is good, not because life is always good, but God is good because he let our life get so bad that we finally decided to cry out to him. So you're here today and you feel like you're at your wit's end? Are you here today and you feel like you're chained to misery? Are you here today and you've run out of ideas? And you're thinking, maybe, just maybe, you should try Jesus. Maybe, just maybe, you should cry out to God. Maybe your mom knew what she was talking about. Maybe your grandmother knew what she was talking about. And maybe you need to cry out to God. And here's what happens when you find God. Now your past is not viewed through the same lens that it was always viewed through. Now it's viewed through the faithful love of God. So the devil shows up in our life and says, you are such an idiot. You know that person's still mad at you. You know they'll never forgive you. You know, you know, you know, you know. David says, no, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look back and I want you to see the faithful love of the Lord. I want you to look back and see the faithful love of the Lord. How good God is that he let it get so bad. Because if, if it wouldn't have got so bad, you wouldn't have cried out to him. But he let it get so bad. If you want to go back, you can, I would encourage you to go home and read it. Verse 33, it says, he changes rivers into deserts. Well, that doesn't sound very good, but if you've ever cried out to him from a desert, it's good. In springs of water into dry, thirsty land. He turns fruitful land into wastelands. David is saying, man, God is good because he's going to let it get so bad that you're going to cry out to him. And so I, I just want to encourage you today to view your past through the faithful love of the Lord. But yeah, there's some things we wish we could change. We regret, we're embarrassed, but God is faithful. I texted Katie and Kaylee this morning on the way into church and I said, hey, listen, I, I, wanna, I wanna end my sermon by leading some, a song. And they can't really tell me no, I guess. So they said yes. <laughs> but I have, all, I have been all weekend... Not really. I mean, really, it's kind of my favorite, but especially all weekend, I have been thinking, thank you, Bradley. I've been thinking about um, just the old hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And some of you may not know it. Maybe you're kind of new to the, 
to the church scene. And so one cool thing about doing hymns around here is like sometimes people be like, what was that new song? That was amazing. And it's like, oh, that was a really old one. Um, but a lot of you know it. And, uh, and so I want to just, us to sing it together. And as we're singing it, I want us to just remember the faithful love of the Lord, how faithful he is. We're not faithful. We're fickle. We abandon him. We walk away. We stray. But God is faithful. And so we're going to sing this together. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Sing it out. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Let's sing that again. Come on. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto thee. Come on, one more time, let's sing it together. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies I see, and all I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Will you pray with me? Band, you can come on up. God, thank you that the way you treat me and act towards me has 
absolutely nothing to do with the way that I have treated and acted towards you. You are faithful, you are loving. And while there are things about my past, God, that I regret, I would not be here worshiping you, living for you probably, if you hadn't let it get so bad. And so, God, I thank you for all the failures in my life that led me to you. I thank you for all the deserts in my life that led me to you. I thank you for all the ideas that didn't work and all the highs that weren't high anymore and all the broken hearts and all the people who let me down and all the, all the mistakes and all the failures. God, I thank you that they led me to you. And so, God, I pray that every time the enemy shows up, every time the devil comes back up and tries to remind me of my, uh, of my shame and my guilt, God, I pray that you would help me to see my history through the faithful love of God. I did not fail. I found you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.